Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 24 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, say it together with me, the Mandolin Cafe. Hey, I hope you all are having a great week. This episode is also brought to you by my friends over at Peghead Nation. Uh, Mandolins of Beer is sponsored by Peghead Nation, which is a streaming video course in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, bass, where you can learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the best players in roots music. Uh, they have a great lineup of mandolin instructors, of course. They've got Sharon Gilchrist. They've got Joe K. Walsh. They've got Mike Compton. They've got John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibish, and Chad Manning, who's actually doing theory for mandolin and fiddle. Now, the courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation tab, and play-along tracks, plenty of tunes and songs to play. In all these courses, there's all different ones from beginner all the way to advanced. So... Join any of Peghead Nation video courses now, and you'll get a free month for free. Just go to PegheadNation.com and use the promo code MANDOLINBEER at checkout. So we got that, and we have one more brand new sponsor. And I want to thank the sponsors. They make this, they make this possible. So this week, we have got TuneFox, TuneFox.com. TuneFox is a clever way to explore, practice, and learn bluegrass licks and songs for banjo, bass, guitar, and mandolin. Get started with a 30-day trial and use the code MANDOLINBEER for 15% off your monthly, quarterly, or annual subscription. That is an app that is available on your phone, and it's got a whole bunch of songs. And the cool thing about that is if, you let's say, you're learning a song like Blackberry Blossom, you can learn it uh, a beginner way, and it'll show you that. Or you can learn different variations of that. So check that out at TuneFox.com or go to the App Store and get TuneFox. Thank you so much, y'all. Um... Casey Campbell's the guest this week. This is a great episode, if I do say so myself. Casey is just one of the greatest guys out there. Um, he just took a new job. Talk about that. We talk about the duets album and his plan in the future for the duets albums. And he's just just great. So I want to thank him for doing that. Uh, I have a whole bunch of cool ones, of course, coming up. I've got C.J. Lewandowski from the Grammy-nominated Poe Ramblin' Boys. Doyle Lawson, also Grammy-nominated, and Andrew Marlin from Mandolin Orange. So some great guests coming up in the next few weeks. This has been a pretty banner mandolin week at the uh, Mandolins and Beer headquarters in Charleston, South Carolina, by the way. Um, first up, I want to thank everybody who's been doing the reviews and the ratings. I was number 17 on the iTunes Music Podcast chart last week, and it's all because you subscribe and listen and do the ratings and rankings and I really really appreciate it. If you haven't had a chance to do that please do that. That makes a huge difference in the ranking world and it means the world to me as well. And it's free. Great way to support the podcast. Another great thing that happened this week was David Benedict uh, Mr. Mandolin Mondays uh, sent me an email and asked me to do a Mandolin Monday video. So that's going to be coming up as well, and that's that's a huge honor. All my heroes have been on that, and to be asked is, ugh, I can't even put it into words. It's it's awesome. So thank you to David for that. Patreon page has been updated this week with four new lessons. Again, the Patreon page, if you just want to go on there and, and do a simple thank you for the podcast or support the podcast, you can sign up, and it's $4 a month, uh, which which is about the price of a happy hour beer, or... You can do the $8 a month option, which has video lessons and some tabs as well when it's applicable. And I just put up the four new videos this week. On One's a scale exercise. One is a pinky exercise. I'll be putting up another pinky exercise based on this episode. The whole idea behind the videos and the tabs are things that you can work on 10 minutes a day for that week. 
And um, yeah, so I'm on tone. I've gotten a few emails about when when players talk about how do they work on their tone. Um, I've got a little thing on there, uh, a few ways that you can work on it, obviously. But one way, I had a really great lesson with Jake Jolliffe one time that he showed me a great way to do it. And we actually discussed it a little bit on this podcast. So thank you guys so much for the support. Go to mandolinsofbeer.com. More merch is coming. I've been sold out because of the holidays, but I've got more coming quick. Uh, cheers, everybody. Thank you so much. Let's get into it with Casey Campbell. Podcast, an in-person podcast for Casey Campbell. Casey, how you doing? I'm doing great. I just got my hair cut. Wanted to look good for the podcast. You look so. great. I wish everybody could see you. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, yes. I mean, well, thank you. The people are gonna love the visual. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you for squeezing me in after the haircut. I appreciate it. Uh, well, I found some time, you know, nice. before my manicure and my pedicure. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then I was. I was late like a jerk, and, and we figured it out outside when I got here. There was the, you know, your publicist talked to my publicist. That's right, yeah. Like, uh, I thought, I'm glad we could make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's Saturday afternoon in Nashville, and it's so awesome to, it's weird for me to do these in person now, because I'm so used to a phone, and uh, to be looking at a person. Yeah, like, I know. I'd probably be sitting in the bathroom uh, if, if we weren't in that's person. Where, that's where I but, record them. Yeah, oh, well, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, for other reasons, for me, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The acoustics uh, probably good too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh man. So, um, uh, first off, let's start with the biggest news that you've had in your world is the uh, your promoter, your job with the IBMA. Yeah, I just became the new communications director at the International Bluegrass Music Association. Started uh, about mid November, and uh, yeah. So, what does that entail? Yeah, for yeah, I can I, I would imagine a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it depends on the time of year because mm-hmm. uh, we we're we're always working toward our big uh, World of Bluegrass event in Raleigh right. and at the end of September. And uh, so, right now in December and January is kind of a not a slow time. There's never a slow time at the office because there's only five staff employees, you know. So there's a lot to do. Pretty wild to think five for how massive. Yeah. That event is yes wow yeah there's a a lot of work to be done but uh we also do leadership a leadership bluegrass program which is like uh just kind of diving into the deep end of music industry we invite around 25 26 people to nashville that are all uh across the board from artists to managers to merchandisers to educators and uh we have them all apply and we pick the top 25 or or so and have them come to to Nashville for the three days for like intense uh, panels with other industry professionals and collaborations. And it's it's uh, if you've been to World of Bluegrass, it's like the the bluegrass or the business conference. Oh, okay. Crammed in and and turned up to eleven. You wow. know, so yeah. uh, so that's kind of what we're working toward now. That happens in March. Okay. Yeah, I think I saw um Thomas. Yeah, it's Thomas Castle. Yeah. yeah. Um, who's going to be at that? So yeah. Another great player. Yeah. So, uh, other than that, I you know, there's always the social media stuff and the the uh, kind of communications part of the the deal. Right. Right. Um, but also crisis management. You know, finding out how uh, <laughs> what's going on in bluegrass and uh, how we can <laughs> yeah help fix it or sure. you know uh, anyway yeah 
That's awesome. It's, it's well, great. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, I don't know how you find time. You're a busy guy. I would. Uh, it seems like without that. So now adding that in there. You know. Yeah. No. I. It's total life change. It's like my first real job, real nine to five job. Nice. And it's like, oh man. Uh, wait. There's two a.m.s, eight, eight a.m.s, or two eight two eight o'clocks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you say nine to five, but I'm guessing it's a lot more than nine to five. Yeah, yeah. The first <laughs> week and a half, it was like, I thought we were supposed to leave at five. I didn't know that was like second lunch where <laughs> then we come back and work, you know. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Another four hours. But uh, it, it's really, it's it's great. And it's great to uh, kind of connect. Being in the bluegrass world my entire life, it's great to connect with the bluegrass community and actually have some sort of position to where I can help um you know help our bluegrass community or fans or yeah people who want to see different things or you know want sure. uh want uh more billy strings yeah that's right <laughs> i was gonna say there's a there definitely seems to be no controversy between any sort of traditional or newer style of, at all, yeah, right? no like, that's of course not no <laughs> Oh my gosh, uh, that could be uh, two podcasts probably <laughs> worth of stuff, uh, you know. So, well, that's awesome. And then I know this isn't there's no release date for this, but I would like to whet the appetite of mandolin player listeners because we're, you know, and we will talk about the first duets album, but there is a second duets album in the works. Yes, this is this is kind of the official uh, letting the cat out of the bag of volume two yeah. is. Um, over halfway done. I, I worked all of this year on it. Um, 11 new guests. Um, still, the, the the plan with that entire thing, um, for the thousands and thousands that didn't look into it, uh, <laughs> uh, was was to kind of work chronologically uh, from the the pillars, the founders, you know, yeah. the the Bobby Osborns and Jesse McReynolds, and then work my way through the different eras of mandolin and, and eventually get to, you know, my, my peers. Um, and so the goal is to do four CDs. Wow. Um, I don't know if I've said that anywhere, but I'm saying yeah, it here is exclusive. Yeah, very exclusive. Yes. So, uh, volume <laughs> two is, uh, underway of course with the new IBMA job, the deadline will be, you know, moved around a little bit, sure. but, um, I'll I'll give you a few of the folks that are on it. Yeah. We've got we've got some Mike Marshalls, we've got some John Reichmans, we've oh. got some Don Sternbergs. Some uh I also went went back again and, and to the guys like Herschel Sizemore and oh. Jimmy Goudreau. Yeah. And um some more folks I'm still talking to and trying to set up recordings, but for the most part, um really excited about another cast of top-notch mandolin players that uh let me pay them to play (laughs) (laughs) some music oh my gosh um don i um, got to see him in atlanta with frank sullivan oh yeah he told me uh, i don't know if you want to share the story if you'd want to wait but the instruments that were used (laughs) on the on his track it almost made him teary-eyed telling me the story yeah well once again another i you know i try to make as many uh meaningful connections with this album as I can. And the first album, I personally knew everybody on the album just because of my family's in the bluegrass industry. And I grew up around those people. And so it was very, very special because I knew them all on a personal level. These, the folks on volume two, some of them I know on a personal level, some I don't, but I still wanted to have some kind of meaningful connection. And so with Don Sternberg, of course, 
there's the Jethro Burns connection. Right. And uh, so we uh, talked about a couple things to do, and we said, you know, we got to do some Jethro things. And I, I said I wanted to also maybe do some Tiny More stuff. Um, and so we were able to borrow Jethro's big red mandolin, you know, the, the two-point. And uh, it's... <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to tell this story, but I'm I'm going to tell this yeah. story. Uh, we borrowed it, and uh, the person who had it, uh, right when Don went to pick it up, uh, broke the tuning peg off of it, and uh, and Don just freaked out because he was just thinking, you know, ten minutes later, if that hadn't happened, I would have been the one to have broken the oh, tuning peg off of Jethro Burns' mandolin. <laughs> so I'm so glad it wasn't me, you know. And oh. so so during the sessions we we got to tune Jethro's mandolin with a pair of vice grips. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I bet he was smiling somewhere. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure there's some irony in that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. And then did you play the tiny more? I pl- I didn't play Tiny's mandolin, but I did play a uh, the the Bigsby the Tarver Bigsby that gotcha. we we borrowed from Rob Haynes who bought it. Um, and so we had we were kind of going for the back to back Jethro and Tiny uh, duet album that they did. So we had Jethro's mandolin, and then we had an an original Bigsby. You know, I think it was a fifties uh, Bigsby uh, five string electric mandolin. He had owned it at one point, but it, it wasn't. It's not his. It's, right, right. Uh, I think his is out in San Francisco, or it's on the West Coast. So, but That's we had, you know, we had essentially the, the same setup going. Yeah. You know, I think do we know the owner of that mandolin too? If I'm uh, of of Tiny's? Oh, no, of Jethro's. Of Jethro's? Is it who I think it is? Or I, it is probably who you think it is. Is, I, S, is it SB? Yeah, probably yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of SBs out in the there world. There are a lot though, of SBs. You know, so, yeah, so. but. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think if you if you look at the, in my opinion, of course, um, <laughs> don't want to stir anything up. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at modern mandolin, uh, you know, there are many pillars. There are many um, kind of archetypes of modern mandolin. But I would say Bill Monroe and Jethro Burns are most things that we know mm-hmm. uh, in the last. 50, 60, 70 years Absolutely. comes from the playing of those two people. And then it's been, of course, adapted and innovated and everything. But right, right. but I would say those two people are, um, at least for the bluegrass and jazz world, sure. and swing world, and that, you know, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the fr- I remember the first time I ever uh, discovered Jethro Burns was like just looking like for bluegrass lessons or something online, like when I oh, first yeah. bought a mandolin. And then there's the a online like, lessons, yes. Yeah. Uh, that's I'll where I found to that, by the way. That's where I found Sam's Bush, which is what on yes. volume one. Yes, it had never been officially recorded by Jethro. There was just I, a lessons tape of yes, it. Yes, yeah. And then he had also put it in one of his his mandolin books. Yep. And so I was looking for obviously looking for tunes to do with Sam, and there was a l- very long list. But it's like here's this tune that Jethro had written for Sam that never got recorded, but Sam knows about it, you know. And um, and so what if we could do the, you know that. Would, Kind of a one of a kind thing, so. 
was, it was a fun time. I bet. <laughs> we'll get, well, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the duets thing in, 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 in depth in a second, but uh, let's go back a little bit about you because you've got a, you've mentioned a couple times now, like there's some bluegrass lineage, sure. lineage in your family. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about how you came up into bluegrass and got into this mandolin, the, the lucrative oh, lifestyle yes. of mandolin playing. Yes, yes, yes. Well, <laughs> let me have a bite of my caviar here for a minute. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And hey, I know I parked a little close to the Ferrari. <laughs> yes. But I'll, uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it was my bad. It yes. Was coming in hot. You kept texting me for the gate code. <laughs> <laughs> I said, the butler will handle it. He did, too. He's a nice guy. <laughs> nice guy. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm from Nashville. Both, uh, both my parents uh, were in the bluegrass music industry. My mom, Marcia, uh, is an Opry square dancer on the Grand Ole Opry and has been since she was... Uh, probably a teenager. She's been a square dancer all of her life and also a radio DJ on 650 WSM. Oh, nice. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, Grand Ole Opry kind of rhyming uh, WSM ties there. Yeah. And then my dad, Jimmy Campbell, played fiddle uh, with Bill Monroe and Jim and Jesse and the Osborne Brothers. <laughs> played with the Sidemen, which was uh, a rotating cast, but you had Terry Eldridge and Mike Bubb and Ronnie McCurry or Mike Compton on mandolin and uh, Rob McCurry and Gene Wooten and uh, Ed Dye and a lot of a lot of great characters. Yeah. Jeez. Great musicians, great characters. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I got to – I'm very fortunate um, to have been able to grow up with Saturday nights at – the Opry and then Tuesday nights every Tuesday night at the station and yeah. you know and it's that's uh <laughs> that's very spoiled and I, I I totally understand I, I know that and I try not to uh try not to put that in every one of my biography posts <laughs> yeah but if you got it man <laughs> I mean it happens you might as well be might yeah well do it yeah man, that's amazing was it mandolin that drew you in right away no, uh, I mean, my, my parents never pushed music on me. There were always instruments laying around the house. There was always music going on in the house. You know, my whole world revolved around music because yeah. that's just what they did. And uh, But it, there was never – my dad taught me how to play guitar and, of course, wanted me to play music, you know. Sure. Uh, but it was never a you need to sit down and listen and learn and do, you know, do this and this right. and this and I think because of that I I ended up picking it up I think if I would have been pushed usually if if the children are pushed there's uh there's the friction and the pushback yeah um, absolutely so I started playing guitar uh when I was younger and then I don't know I don't really remember specifically why the mandolin or or what brought me to it but I grew up listening 
I was just around Mike Compton and Ronnie McCurry all the time. And so like, that's when I picked up the mandolin finally and thought, you know, well, I'll play this. This will be the thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's the sound I heard in my head, which, you know, is a lot of tremolo and kind of Mike definitely has this traditional leaning and, and this great, gosh, just incredible Monroe, old school, old time, pre Monroe kind of thing. And then, Ronnie has this really nice blend of traditional and modern. So that's the sound I heard, and that's the sound I'll, I'll be chasing, you know, until the end of time. Yeah. Again, this theme comes up a lot with great players like yourself. And, and what and I love it because it's encouraging to, to me, and I, it, I would think encouraging to listeners, but that chasing that tone. I mean, you've grown up around all this music. You've been playing music for years and years and years at a high level, but you're still working towards something. I think that's encouraging to anybody who's just working towards learning their first fiddle tune. It's like, yeah, man, that's that's what makes this thing so great. It doesn't stop at that first fiddle tune. Oh, yeah. You, know, you just keep, there's always something. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And that's why I love it. It's just, you know, there's no master. Uh, Thiele's working on something. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, right. <laughs> that, that's That should be, yeah, I want to have that crocheted and, or, or cross-stitched and given to me for Christmas. There you go. Thiele's working on something exactly. right now. That's, that's your daily reminder that I'm gonna have, I'm gonna there's have, always something more. Go to mandolinsofbeer.com <laughs> to the merch store and get a cross-stitched. Yeah, Thiele's go. working, are you? Yeah, are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what was like the, um, I mean, you're around all these great players, but was there one like particular thing that when you first started playing, like, you know, you, you have all that energy and time as a kid, did you dive into any one sort of, recording or, or one um, sort of style at first or was it just always kind of like i'm gonna work on this and then this and then this yeah it was always i, I didn't take formal lessons i mean i had I, I refer to them more as mentors because i i didn't really sit down you know and have a 30 minute lesson or hour lesson with anybody regularly mm-hmm. um but i had a lot of great mentors when i was younger like Deanie richardson but it was so so it was mostly about listening to albums and just playing along with those albums and kind of honing in on what makes, what makes that, that, you know, what makes Ronnie McCurry, Ronnie McCurry, what makes uh, the Nashville Bluegrass Band, which is, I I would say the Nashville Bluegrass Band and the Del McCurry Band are, you know, the pinnacle for me. Sure. the correct opinion and everyone, <laughs> everyone should have it so right. uh, <laughs> my opinion is always right so <laughs> so uh but i think right around when i was like really de- determined to play mandolin and and take it to the next level after i've been playing for a few years the mike compton and david long stomp album came out And 
that's just like beautiful two mandolins or there's you know there's the mandolin family going on you've got a couple different instruments but uh that was just like whoa that's and i think that's ultimately what brought me to mandolin duets you know 10 12 years later sure um but uh yeah that was that was uh, a big time recording for me and uh ricky skaggs instrumental album i remember that being one that i would just play a lot a lot of that it's a lot of figuring out how do they do that yeah yeah which is is great i think that's like not to say i'm past that at any point but i think that period of of a musician's lifetime where you're just in awe of something um it's that becomes more rare as as you learn more and see more and experience more and so now it's it's not few and far between but it's just more rare to like listen to something or witness a show and just be in awe of like how much time did you just put it was it was it all encompassing for you too? it was just fun yeah. it didn't you know it wasn't it wasn't work it wasn't structured practice you know i'm i'm the opposite of a role model for a, <laughs> a practiced and professional musician you know a, uh-huh. a a scholarly musician um i don't have any regular practice routine i i i'm a sloppy player you know what i mean there, there's there's uh, well, a lot i don't know sloppy players well, uh... <laughs> in in my, my sure. you know compared to who i like to compare myself to right right <laughs> um so it's it was just fun you know what mm-hmm. i mean I, and i i did my best just to keep it fun and sure. uh and in that i feel like more personality probably came out of mm-hmm. my playing became more of my style rather than focusing so hard on technique up front right. and maybe maybe uh sterilizing some of that personality that that would have would have been lost sure i mean that's like one of the, besides the fact you're a great player everybody who mentions your name is like how great of a personality you have like, oh my god oh it's great yeah no you I, know what i mean I am, that, yeah it, i have a great personality yes yeah. <laughs> i do they're 100 percent correct <laughs> yeah that's the perfect opinion. Their opinion is correct. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but your playing does come across. I remember seeing you um, playing. Um, we talked about this a little bit before, but you had the Sierra Hall, Mike Compton, and you. It's probably still on YouTube somewhere, yeah. maybe. Um, and you guys did like a little mandolin thing at Carter's. Was it Carter's? Yes. That was an interesting thing. That was Concert Window. I don't know if it was Concert Window was still around. They did a, an online bluegrass festival. It's really cool. It's called the Bluegrass Roundup, and they – they contacted a few people to do workshops and then they also had a whole bunch of artists doing online workshops or uh-huh. online concerts. So it was kind of like over this certain amount of, I think it was probably a week or a few days, you had all these online concerts that you could watch. And so they contacted me to put together a mandolin workshop. And I was trying to think of, there's a million mandolin workshops and a lot of them boil down to most 
mostly the same thing. And mm-hmm. so I was trying to think, you know, what, how can I make it different? How can I make it cool? And so you got Mike Compton, you got your old school, and then you got Sierra, and that's totally new school. And then I'll just try to hide behind the two of them um, and and get the check at the end of it. And uh, <laughs> and so that was very fun. And we, yeah, we we did it at Carter's and uh, we just sat there and answered a few questions and played some tunes for yeah. an hour or so. It was awesome. And that was a, one of the things that struck me is like, personality was just so like it just sh- it sh- and it shines through in your playing like that's one thing i've noticed with doing this podcast and like picking with like tristan and jared yesterday like their personality like they're yes yeah. tall kind of laid back when you watch them play is like that and tristan's very quiet and, you know <laughs> yeah. and like and like you watch him play I'm like yeah that's the personality pulling yeah. through and it's cool to see that so what was like your first gigging experience you went to school for for music business, business yeah right? okay. yeah no i was in a band in high school um that once again deanie richardson put together um called green on the vine which i don't nobody google that don't look up our youtube videos of back when we were 15 and thought we were cool and funny and you know don't don't look that up but it's post links yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) but that was that was fun that was uh just a group of kids. I think I was 15 and 16 uh, and I was the oldest in the group. And there were a bunch of great young musicians in that group. And that was my first gigging kind of thing. I'd done in town stuff, but we, we actually got in a van and rode around and did shows and made a CD. And then um, after that, I, I, quit that band when I started college and then during college I kind of set some boundaries and said I would only do in-town stuff and, and certain things because I wanted to focus on school and then as soon as I graduated uh, I got a call from Brian Sutton saying I just put out an album and we're going to do an album release and I want you to play on the album release and then if something happens after that that would be nice but right now <laughs> I've got a gig for you. Right, right. <laughs> and then that turned into three or four years with the Brian Sutton band, which was me and Brian and uh, Mike Barnett and Sam Grisman. And that was just incredible and has once even more, even further spoiled and jaded me to, to you know, acoustic music or bluegrass music. Yeah. We were playing around one microphone for the most part with no monitors. And it was just like the most pure uh, joy music making experience with uh, a bunch of fun guys. So. And, 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 you know, you, you knew a lot of these people ahead of time and you talk about the history and your family and the connections that you had. However, Brian Sutton's not just going to hire a guy because his, he, he knows a lot of bluegrass people. Uh, you know what I mean? Brian Sutton's going to hire a great mandolin player. Well, and that's what he did. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know how many people he, how many people didn't answer before. (laughs) There's always that question, you know. It's kind of like you want to know the answer, but you also don't want to know the answer. Like, how how far down on the list was I? Right, Uh, right, right. uh, So Sam's busy and Ronnie's busy. (laughs) Beely's working on something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Beely's working. Um, But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I distinctly remember the, the year before so I, I think I got that call like in April because it was right 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 before I graduated college and uh, uh, Ronnie McCurry has a Christmas party every year and that the, the Christmas party of uh, bef- before that the, the year before that I remember 
uh, being there and playing and Sutton was there and we knew each other, but we were, we were jamming a little more and hanging out a little more that, that specific night. And, mm-hmm. uh, so it's like, I feel like that maybe planted the seed. It's yeah. like, Oh man, I was, I must've been playing well that night. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you go about, you, you get the call from Brian Sutton. Like, how do you go about like getting ready to learn all those tunes? Um, and- who, well, do you know who recorded? Do you know who recorded on that initial? Uh, oh yeah, album? it was the the album was into my own. Sam Bush and um, man, I, I think Gnome played banjo. Mm-hmm. Maybe Luke Bulla on fiddle. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I know that the band that we played for the release album was Gnome, and uh, I think Aubrey Haney played fiddle because Luke had broken his pinky. Oh, but, but Luke was there and sang all the harmonies, and uh, and uh, Sam Grisman played bass. But I, I th- I would assume it was probably uh, maybe I, I don't know who's on, on base. I, I don't sure, want to sure. throw names out, but yeah. Um, but yeah, to prepare for that, um, it's a lot of Pepto Bismol. Um, really, <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of uh, just trying to calm your stomach sure. <laughs> for what's to come. Yeah, but uh, I mean, he has just a great back catalog of music, and um, right, and so it was really fun to learn a lot of his harder stuff and then us never play it. <laughs> he had uh, That's his, the best. Yeah, his his <laughs> his almost live album was was a, a collaboration album where he he just got together with a bunch of different groups um of of musicians that he had loved forever and and there's there's some pretty hard stuff on that and you know uh being wanting to be a prepared musician and you know yeah. the, the perfect uh kind of interviewee for the job position I, I i tried my best to learn all of that stuff and then it's like oh man are we gonna play uh you know something blah 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 and and he'd be like uh yeah we probably won't be playing that one um <laughs> it's like oh oh cool cool <laughs> well i got it down just uh, yeah though. yeah uh, uh, it's a good song uh, <laughs> it's a really good song man really really yeah think about playing it yeah no but we we uh during that the, the brian sutton time we kind of really dove into this not folk but like old time bluegrass we we went back to the Doc Watson and mm. the Bascom Lamar Lunsford and uh and he just had a lot of great tunes that I had never heard and uh that were regional to he's from Asheville, North Carolina mm-hmm. and so there was a lot of regional stuff that he pulled from. And so it was really cool because you know someone like Brian Sutton is just the most technically proficient, incredible musician out there. And yeah. then you get to play with them and they're like, let's play some like really, not, I don't want to say simple because it's not simple. Sure. But it's, it's just really good, honest music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. not trying to prove anything. Right, it's not right. trying to be complex and um, take it to the next level. It's like, let's right. take a, a simple 
in quotation marks, to a simple tune sure. and just make it the best version of itself. Yeah. Or, or just, or uh, the opposite is that it's just like, let's play it as true as it was first recorded. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. let's take a Doc Watson thing and just totally do the most Doc Watson yeah. version of it. You know, and I think it's almost harder sometimes than trying to nail something that's oh. really technically tough. Because yeah. you can sit down oh, and, man. and woodshed a part but to get a feeling totally is a completely different I, set of skills. I look to, I look to the tone poems. Uh, the first one, um, there's a song. Well, first there's Kentucky Waltz, but there's also um, I don't want your mandolin, Mister. Maybe mm-hmm. is the name of it, um, or something like that. But that, it, it, it's a super simple song, and Kentucky Waltz is a super simple song. In the grand scheme of things, I'm sure. not trying to say that, you know, everybody should easily pick up these songs, but right, right. And then you just hear David Grisman just like play it so perfectly. And it's mm-hmm. like it's a simple song, but what he is doing is not simple. You know, you are not gonna be able to do that. No. <laughs> it, it takes a lifetime of of wisdom. It's it's not even proficiency, it's just like wisdom in playing. say that because one of the first cd book combos when i first got mandolin was the tone poems book yeah and the thing and i remember getting the book and i got and i also ordered the shady grove book yeah and um and i just looking at it it's like this this could be easy yeah and then two hours later into like the first song i'm like oh <laughs> is this transcribed properly right <laughs> it yeah. yeah no it's it's a feeling man it's it's you can look at pages and in, until you try to put it down there that yeah, david grisman is i mean all these guys are but like like you said it's what is a huge difference between learning a part and playing a part yeah and that's what a cool lesson and to do it with somebody like brian sutton yeah i mean ah. there, there are just there are certain musicians that like tim o'brien or norman blake or that just make things sound so timeless and so easy that anyone listening to it would go, Oh, that's a simple song. Mm -hmm. You know, the girl I left behind me is a simple song. Then you take one peek under the, you know, behind the curtain or under the surface. You go one step under the surface, and it's like for them to make that sound so simple takes so much work and right. so much knowledge and so much restraint. I would say, you know, sure, absolutely. Don't play all of those <laughs> ideas that you have. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Go against every instinct yeah. to add something to this. That way, it's For just sure. bare bones. And uh, I know we're going to talk about pedal steel later, but yeah. You know, 
probably a whole separate uh, podcast yeah. just devoted to pedal steel. But uh, Jimmy Day is like a, a musician, a pedal steel player that it's like, yeah, you can play everything. You can play all the crazy stuff you want. But there's this one specific album called Steel and Strings where it's just like he's just playing basically the melody on this entire album. Right. And it's like that is so much harder than the most crazy technical jazz pedal steel album that I, you know, that I've heard. Sure. I, um, I mean, find that just playing now, like anytime learning, like if somebody calls out a tune, they're like, Oh, do you know this one? You're like, Oh yeah. And, and you want to just, when it comes to your solo, you just want to play the melody. Oh, and yes, but it's so <laughs> if easy. Only. Yeah. If only you could, that's the intention when it starts, you're listening like, okay, yeah, got it. And then, you know, you play all over it and just like all i had to do the dots were there it is is inevitable (laughs) i I, I love that you said that because it yes i i mean not even just one song i'll go a whole gig where it's just like i'm you know what and it's not not that i'm like checking out or anything it's just like Mm -hmm. i just want to play the melody yeah tonight yeah it's so beautiful i mean the melody is why you're playing the song and the great when you really think about it that the reason why that song is so popular it's not because the Right. 20 seconds of solo yeah it's totally. because it's a timeless song and the song yeah. it's the melody that made that song and yeah and then i'll get done with that gig and it'll be like oh yeah i was gonna play the melody tonight yeah. oh instead i just played all that extra unnecessary yeah <laughs> yeah exactly it's just like and sometimes i'll like even in the middle of a gig i'll play something and i'll just i'll be like almost through the solo i just want to throw up because <laughs> I'm, I'm just like what am i doing yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why do I? It's just like that little angel and devil on the shoulder, and yes. the devil just crawls into yes. the hand, and they're just like, yeah. More notes, more notes, yeah. triplets, yes. You remember this we yes. working on? <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's so tough, man. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you're saying it, and it's not just me. No, I do. You know, dude, it's just like. I know. can't wait until I'm old enough to just play the melody. Yeah. I mean, you know, I that's, know. that's how I look at it. It's like, I can't wait until I, I've learned enough to just play the melody. Yeah, exactly. Until then, I will continue to overplay and yes. try to outplay and impress. And, you know, and, right. and then finally, when I'm 70 and I'm sitting in a rocking chair and I've got three butlers <laughs> and I'm in just an enormous amount of debt, then I will play just the melody. And be that'll be, and be that'll, happy. That'll be the day somebody's going to come up and be like, we've decided to pay you by the note. Yeah. <laughs> no! <laughs> Where were you 20 yeah. years ago? <laughs> well, we did. I mean, we have the mandolin here. We are. We did mention the pedal steel stuff. And, yeah. And so as I've been doing these interviews, and a lot of these interviews that like, we talked beforehand, do the interview, and then spend time. I spend time talking on the phone afterwards or whatever. And sure. everybody has been talking. Casey has been listening to these pedal steels things and and doing it on mandolin. Well, yeah, and it's it, and it's pretty. It's some pretty good names of people here that are referencing this. So if you wouldn't mind, maybe give, I, giving us a little bit of an example of it. Sure. I mean, I I, I went a little crazy um, in college, as most of us do. Mm-hmm. But instead of partying and the normal crazy, I just went on eBay and bought every pedal steel album that ever existed. <laughs> that was, that was my, uh, experimental phase of college Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, uh, buying pedal steel LPs. What have um, you gotten into? Yeah. Uh, Speedy West. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh, you guys had a, a fun party last night. Oh, cool. I bought like three sneaky Pete albums and, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I bought a bunch of pedal steel and just totally did the deep dive. And, yeah. 
and uh it's 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 funny because I talk about the pedal steel a lot and I do try to incorporate pedal steel type licks mm-hmm. but it's really difficult and so it really ends up just being me ripping off like Bobby Hicks <laughs> who was like the closest thing you could get to pedal steel on a fiddle right. or you know or a buddy spiker or Chad Cobb or you know all of these great kind of uh twisty uh double stop players and uh, so I mean I I can Play a few things. Yeah, man. I want to lower expectate. Well, that should yeah. probably just be my biography <laughs> title. Lowered expectations for Jack Andy. Um, but it, a lot of a lot of cool stuff about pedal steel is putting the harmony on the bottom. Um, so instead of playing like, you go. Oh, yeah. And then... Which gets totally gets into chordal melody range, which I, I know nothing and claim to know nothing about. <laughs> um, and people will tell you I know nothing about it. Um, but it, it really is just... It's, it's, what, it's one step removed from a full-on chordal melody. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know the, the the pedal steel licks are the things like the. Let's see if I can do it cleanly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's see. Hold on. Let me get up here further on the neck where you I bet. can get my fat fingers. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, you've always got your your Bobby Hicks kind of things of the. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh man. to not articulate everything <laughs> sure sure that's really good you get you um get a lot of sustain out of that little slidey thing there that's a tough that's tough to do yeah well the... it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be clear i mean that mm-hmm. and, and that's what i like about the pedal steel and I've, I've i've obviously listened to the podcast and you've talked with i think maybe compton talked about the notes in between the notes yes you know yeah. try, we're, we're all trying to make a man well some of us are trying to make a mandolin sound like a fiddle. Um, and to do that, you have to get the, the notes in between the notes. And mm-hmm. that's that's what I love about the pedal steels. You hear these incredible bends and pedal moves and bar moves and, and pulls that where you're hearing every microtone between point A and point B, yeah. you know. And so um, it doesn't have to be articulated, and it's better if it's not. You know, it's sure. kind of a hidden little nuggets um and so yeah so the 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 sustain 
it's I'm not worried about you hearing every note, mm-hmm. but it's it's the fact that it's there. Yeah, you know, that maybe you can. Uh, maybe it's uh, subliminal. Yeah, it's <laughs> so cool. Do you play pedal steel? I own a pedal steel. Right, That's, right. That is as far as I will go. Yeah, I, I have an LDG, a Lloyd Green uh, model from Showbud, and um, I I own it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'd, I, I've seen some pedal steels that looks like it'd be easier to fly a jet. Yeah, yeah. Well, than I, it would be to play a, to yeah. learn the song. <laughs> those things. Well, it's yeah, insane. The, it takes. Uh, I think it. I think at the current rate, it takes fifty-five years to get um, adequate. <laughs> adequate, which adequate just means it doesn't sound like uh, dying cats. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, that's why there are, there are a few uh, accomplished young pedal steel players. There there are plenty out there, but yeah, you know, compared to. Uh, the greats and and the majority that are uh, yeah. uh, of AARP range. <laughs> right, right. That's amazing, man. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about that duets album a little bit. Sure. First off, how did you prepare to do these? I mean, sitting down and knowing these people is one thing. Going into a recording studio and sitting down in front of microphones and and performing with these people is another thing. So. Like yeah. song, like we we obviously want to go through a whole album, but maybe maybe like no, let's just, do it. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me get another glass of water. <laughs> so like um, maybe a couple songs that like we talked a little bit about the Sam Bush song. Like I had a list, but that yeah. How did you go about some of the songs for say Ronnie McCurry, for instance? before the session it was it was 90 percent prep Uh because number one the majority of these the 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 people on volume one had just an extreme amount of back catalog to listen to um maybe other than buck white who had a a lot of albums that he was on you know with the whites um or buck white and the down-home folks uh there there weren't as many instrumental uh, tracks from Buck. There, there are a lot, you know, comparatively. But um, then you look at Grisman or Sam Bush or somebody like that who just has, you know, a whole shelf full of CDs and and a lot of instrumental instrumental um, songs that they had written. So the first thing I did, I mean, it was probably a year of preparation and then a year of recording. I would probably say, um, and it was just first going and buying everything. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, in between shopping for pedal steel records, I would I would go and buy, you know, all of. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of of who I really, you know, Grisman was definitely one. It's like I just I had to buy, not that I had to buy, I wanted to buy because I want to see the liner notes. I want to yeah. read, you know, I want the physical, you know, it's all part of it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Just going through and and finding number one what songs have been overdone, you know. So, for uh, someone like Jesse McReynolds, Dixie Hoedown has been done a million times. We've right. all heard it. So, in one aspect, it would be great to have another recording of Jesse playing Dixie Hoedown, mm-hmm. but at the same time, 
or you, you can find them. Right, right. So I tried to steer clear of things that have been overdone and also things that had been done as duets again. So, you know, a lot of Grisman stuff, a lot of Sam Bush's stuff. Um, and then Compton had a, the whole uh, Stomp album, you know, of duets. So I, had, I tried to steer clear of, of things that have been done as duets because I can't, obviously, I can't improve upon that when mm-hmm. you're talking about, uh, you know, Grisman and Sam Bush, the Hold On, We're Strumming album or the Stomp album or, right. you know, Into the Cauldron. If we're getting into volume two, that would be, you know, there was a lot of Mike Marshall duet stuff. It's like, I, right. I can't. You know, I just want to listen to that. <laughs> right, yeah. Can I just put that on my album? <laughs> um, so, yeah, a lot of uh, prep work of of honing down the massive list of songs and then just trying to pick stuff that was important to them. So for a lot of, uh, I don't know if it what it's what is what ended up on the CD, but for a lot of the stuff that we recorded, it was stuff off of early albums. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, with Sam, I did two or three tracks with everybody. Um, and with Sam, one of them was one that we did off of Sam and Alan. Um, what is it? Meeting for the first time yeah, again. Yeah, together again yeah, for together the first again. time. Yes, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did one of the tunes off that that Sam had oh, cool. written. And that's one of his his early albums. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and with Bobby, we did uh, Cherokee Lady, which was off of his Bobby and his mandolin album, which was um, not an early album for him. That was, I think, 81. instrumental thing you know a, a non osborne brothers yeah, kind of deal so um trying to find something early um that you know kind of digging something out of out of the lost times of you know digging through the crates really yeah um, and then something that represented or felt like a representation of their style because I didn't just want to get all great mandolin players. There's a lot, you know, if I did that, it would never end. There's a lot of great mandolin players. Yeah. That's the problem you're going to have with your podcast. There's a lot of great men, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, yeah. mandolin Mondays has been going for, I think 12 years now. Yeah, I, believe not, so. I think yeah. there's a million and you know, there's a lot of great mandolin players. So, <laughs> it's never but, ending. It, yeah. It was, it was trying to find stylists, you know, stylistic mandolin players. Um, and so what songs not catered to but but just were a representation of of their style if if this album lives on for you know 50 years after the apocalypse and is found um one of my favorite movies is idiocracy so if it's found in a pile of trash um you know this would be some kind of representation of those players style um and that was really fun to, I mean, I totally approached it as as a student, uh, like, you know, scholarly, like, like I said earlier, what makes Ronnie McCree, Ronnie McCree? What makes right. Buck White, Buck White? What makes Roland White, 
Um, and it's tough. It's, it's, it's easy to hear and hard to describe, especially hard to describe in words. It's easier to describe, you know, actually playing it. And so Roland White, well, he's, he's like the master of, of space in, in mandolin playing. And I know you had talked to um, maybe Matt Flinner or Mike. I can't remember which interview it was. You guys were talking about the need to fill space all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, in bluegrass, there's just a need to fill space. It's like, well, Roland, he just said, forget that, man. I'm just going to play this like kind of bebop solo where there's just this incredible amount of space in the middle and it's awesome and so um you also have to take an account that jesse and bobby and roland and buck uh are getting up in age sure. you know so you absolutely I, I tended to do more waltzes or uh more, some of their sim- more simple tunes that they could uh, they felt comfortable playing obviously they can still play incredible but, oh yeah but, of course but, the comfortability of being in the studio is a different question. So um, then it was just a matter of, of reaching out to them, asking if they would do it, and then making it a collaborative process of whittling it down to two or three songs, you know? So I gave them a list and I said, you know, this would be fun to do. Let me know if you have anything that maybe you had a song that got cut from your first album. You know what I mean? Maybe there's something on the editing room floor uh so let me know and so like with jesse he brought this song ode to bill monroe and it's totally there's no cross picking it's not like it's not your typical jesse mcreynolds song pioneer jesse mcreynolds wrote for another pioneer Bill right. Monroe, and it, it's like that's a cool thing that's so cool that's not your typical jesse mcreynolds cross-picking split string thing you know what i mean you might not think jesse mcreynolds when you hear that track but it's like that's a one-of-a-kind thing right the sam's bush thing that's like that's maybe not a sam bush tune <laughs> you know there's no waka you know that kind of thing yeah um Sorry, I was clearing out my throat. Uh, uh, but that's a special tune. You know, there's some meaning behind that tune. So, you know, that doesn't always come out when you're just listening down straight down to the music of the album. But, it, you know, if you open up the book and read through and, you know, understand the process of I'm not just trying to make a mandolin album. I don't care about radio. I don't care. I'm, I know I'm never going to tour this thing. You know, so <laughs> right, I, right. this is not a money making endeavor. This is purely me just wanting to sit down with my heroes and my friends and um, and make some music. And then if we happen to record it and if we happen to put it out and if people happen to listen to it, that's just extra, you know? Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So at, at the end of the day, it was like, what tune would be fun to play with blank? Right. Know? That's so cool, man. And, and the, the other thing, the other really cool thing you did in this digital world is you have the booklet out there for people oh, yeah. to just look at. Like if yes. they bought the album from iTunes or yeah. stream it on Spotify or wherever you get your music, 
you've put the booklet out there, and the booklet is amazing. And then, and um, the Scott, who's this? Scott Simontaki took yeah. all the photos. Yeah, he's incredible, dude. Yeah, you have to go. And again, I'll have the link on manlessbeer.com. If you don't buy the CD, which I encourage <laughs> you, sh- you should buy the CD. I mean, just buy the CD. There you go. But if you don't, go look at the booklet because it. It's as it's it's as much art as the album itself well, is. That that was that was the thing. It was like I bought all of this all of these physical copies and there is a whole portion of the music listening experience or just music experience that is lost and totally lost in the digital age where yeah. you have this LP and the back has all this information on it and who played on what and when they recorded it, what days they recorded it, who was on, you know, certain tracks, you know, the address of the studio that no longer exists. Now it's right. a, you know, condos. Yeah, CBS. Um, yeah, right. And it's like nowadays we get a, a little square arts, you know, album cover on iTunes. You know, that's what it's boiled down to. Yeah. And you can't fully appreciate an album with that i don't yeah, feel i agree i'm from I, i'm from the generation as well where you bought cds and like that was just it seemed like you get to know an album even better absolutely because you'd sit down you play the album and you just look at the liner notes you'd read the lyrics yeah you'd look at who played what i mean yeah. that's i can't tell you how many cds i bought because so and so played on this one track i'm sure. like oh my god that was awesome i need to who is Matt Flinner? Totally. And, and then the rabbit, you know, it's like that's yeah. that's your your starting point for a rabbit hole. And right. if you don't have that, you it's like, well, okay, there was a mandolin player on that track. That's it. Exactly. I would implore, I mean, I know this is a mandolin podcast, mm-hmm. but I would implore, you know, if you take anything from this, <laughs> buy my album. But uh, uh, I would implore any artist out there to put – this just the smallest little effort into letting people know, giving people the chance to know who was a part of your project and what makes your project special. Absolutely. You you don't have to go the full, I mean, I did a 20 page booklet, you know, you don't have to do that. I did that. I will do that for the, the next, you know, however many I make, I, because I know that even if a thousand well, okay, even if 10 people listen to the album, <laughs> and if one person finds that rabbit hole and then discovers, you know, that I mentioned Bobby and his mandolin, you know, I mentioned that LP, and then they go find that, and then they find the Osborne Brothers, and then they find blah, blah, blah. And, the, you know, if, if one person, you know, succumbs to the wormhole, <laughs> you know, then, then it's totally worth the extra, you know, few hours that I spent putting together. And I had a great teammate in this i i i had the concept for the booklet you know i knew i wanted to go all in in on this and have scott do all these great photos and do this full spread for each track and all the information and then i had gina leslie who's dominic leslie's sister and she's just an awesome photographer and artist and singer and guitar player and everything and and i asked her to help me uh put together the packaging because i knew what i wanted but i uh i I only know Photoshop so well enough to put my head on people's bodies. <laughs> so right. I needed, I needed to call in a favor really. Yeah. Um, uh, and so we, you know, we did this booklet and I've heard countless times from people, including my grandmother. It's just like, 
why did you put so much extra energy into that book? <laughs> you know, it's just like, no, but, but, but the three people that it touches, it, it, it's going to mean something. Yeah. Well, you you're know? talking to one of them. Well, so thank you very much. Dude, it's, it's, well, hopefully you'll be talking to more cause it is, it's beautifully done. It's Thank you. So as I mean, there's pictures of each person's mandolin. I, yeah. I don't want to talk too much about it because I want people to go and find it and <laughs> well, look at it because it's easy to find. It's on your website, and yeah, I'll have a link right. to it as well. That was that was an important thing is to find a way. There's not a simple way. Well, at least from my limited mind of of putting it out there in a way that's easy to read and that's not just like a a PDF download where mm-hmm. you're looking at a bunch of digital images. Right. You know. I, yeah. And that's something that. Ev- Tristan Scroggins and I have, have talked and discussed and it's like we we want to build this kind of artwork database or this mm-hmm. kind of physical digital uh, connector you yeah, know, man. where you have all of these old bluegrass LPs or you, even if we just focus on mandolin albums or whatever we do, you know, but digitize all of this stuff with high resolution copies of all of these LP jackets and, and um, liner notes and all that stuff because... It, there, there is a a market for it. It's a small market, but mandolin market's a small market. You know Absolutely. what I mean? So yeah, um, I would just implore people to just give us the option because give give your audience the option to find more about your projects because uh, it it doesn't take that much work. It takes the the same amount of work as it does to write down their name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. and push enter. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, they don't so, have to go out the route. They don't have to do 20 pages, but right. let people know who's on there and why you got them or Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just Yeah. Just, uh, it means a lot to with people. With volume 1, you know, there was there was a, a lot of personal connection, you know. Sure. And so of course that that pushed me even further into, well, I want to explain this personal connection, you know. And then it's like the mandolins. Well, I know that this is a mandolin nerd album, and so they're gonna want to know the Absolutely. specs of the mandolin. So yeah, let's get so some good cool. photos. Let's put some information up, and then we'll do four of these, and then we'll turn it into a coffee book when we're done. Oh man, and yeah. Scott and I will have three butlers, and it's, you know it'll be great. <laughs> It'd be so, great. Oh uh, man, yeah. So it it, it was. There was a, you know, not five years, but I'll call it a five year plan from the onset of this project. Mm-hmm. If I want to go from. I'm not sure who the oldest was. It was maybe Jesse or Bobby or Buck um, being in their late 80s. Sure. Um, I know Bobby just turned 89. Uh, but then I want to go all the way down to someone like Teo. <laughs> you know, and, and if I can have that span over yeah. four or five albums Absolutely. of stylistic mandolin players mm-hmm. and, and put the same amount of energy that I did into the first one with yeah. all of those, you know, then at the end of the day... I will have, I will feel like I've accomplished just a sliver of the work that David Grisman has done for the mandolin world. Sure. I mean, the, the the amount of music he has put out, not not his own. I'm not even talking about David Grisman albums. I'm just talking about albums that he has put out for other people or right. helped other people do, and the amount of mandolin information that he has put out. I mean, that's kind of something I strive for, and that's hopefully evident in this project is that I want this to be a legacy kind of thing yeah. that people can say. You know what does what not not defines, but what's a good representation of this mandolin player? Well, let's listen to this and disregard that other guy that's playing on it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you yeah. know, in, in the uh, left yeah. channel. But no. uh, yeah, um, come on, man. You know, it's so, good stuff. Well, thank you. You're it, it was it was 
a total joy to make. And Volume 2 has been a total joy to make, and I'm, I'm looking forward to... I'm looking forward to Volume 2 as well, man. I really yeah. am. I um I think it's pretty cool, too, that the fact there's... The odds are pretty good that if it hasn't already happened, there's going to be somebody who comes across this album and discovers all the works of Jesse McReynolds or discovers... It's, I mean, that, in, in this yeah. internet world, that's 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 amazing. That, the, to that think was like, Bluegrass Mandolin Extravaganza. I mean, I, I, I could... Once again, I could talk all day about that one album, but it's mm-hmm. like that's that was the template. You know, you have this cast of iconic mandolin players. You get them all together. I mean, this was individual sessions, but you get them all together on one project. Right, right. You put that out in a meaningful way with meaningful information. You know, there's a backstory. There's a, a purpose for the album. It's not just to sell CDs. Right. I ain't here to sell CDs. <laughs> yeah, I got, exactly. You know, I got the bank account to approve it. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, mandolin, uh, bluegrass mandolin, or what is it? Bluegrass mandolin. mandolin yeah. 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 Um, it's like that, that's the Mecca for me. If, if I could so recommend good. one album to anybody, it'd be that album. Yep. But, uh, other than my album, it would be that <laughs> right, album. Right. Um, I mean, obviously <laughs> <laughs> once they've bought my album, go listen to that album right. on Spotify. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's like, it's just the wealth of knowledge you get. Yeah. You get those pioneers, you get this list of mandolin players, and then you follow the worm. Yeah. Then, you know, follow the lineage. That exactly. was the thing. It's like, yeah, I love... Sierra Hole. Who does Sierra Hole love? Okay, Sierra Hole loves, let's, let's say, Chris Thiele or Adam Steffi. Okay, who do they love? Well, they love Doyle Lawson or Mike Marshall. Okay, well, who do they love? You know, it's like, follow it back. You know, dig deep. You know? Exactly, man. And it's, uh, the journey is amazing. Uh, oh, it's, just, it's just good music all yeah, the way through. And, and, you're, you're, and you're always surprised. Like, wait a minute. How did I not know this? Yeah. Like, how did this guy just... Or, you know, like a blues mandolin is a great example of like, if, yeah. you, if you didn't really research blues mandolin, you wouldn't be surprised at how many blues mandolin things are out there. How cool and just like coolly out of tune some of it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> like at first you're like, whoa. And then you're like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I know we're running, we're running longer here, but I definitely want to, let's talk a little bit about your, um, your mandolin there real quick. Sure. Got over here. It yeah. sounds phenomenal. This is, um, I've only owned two mandolins ever, um, and I just got lucky with this one, to be honest. I, uh, when I was starting out and playing in, in the, uh, I don't want to call it a kid's band, but it was a kid's band. Uh, I had like an Eastman blonde oval hole uh, F-style mandolin, and uh, then I bought this in around 2008 or 2009. This I bought this from Gruen's. This was before... Carter's and Gruen's had, had made the split and Carter's had opened. Um, but I, I, I believe Walter told me that he he purchased this or he was kind of uh, the, the lead guy for this mandolin being in Gruen's um, when I bought it. So I bought this as a rattlesnake mandolin made by Olin Davis. Um, now he's out of North Carolina. This label says uh, South Carolina, Batesburg, South Carolina, huh. number 20. Wow. from 1999 um and i was probably 16 17 when i bought this mandolin and i i was probably very um arrogant but i didn't know much about what to shop for in a mandolin sure um and the reason i picked this mandolin is that it hung down just 
the smallest bit further than all the other mandolins when you were looking down the row of hanging mandolins. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so I come to find out that the scale on this is just, you know, I, I don't know the measurement, but just a little longer. Um, and I don't know if that means anything, but I feel like it, it, it has a little more umph in, mm-hmm. in the bass side and it has a real skinny neck which is great for my big fat uh, sausage fingers and uh, um, yeah so I've had it since then and um, very happy with it I've got a tone guard on it and uh, I remember when Stomp came out I called Mike Compton and I, I got in touch with David Long who I didn't know but uh, I think the first time I talked to him was do you own a tone guard? <laughs> And I, I I don't think either of them had one, uh-huh. um, and I was I was already set on buying one. I don't I don't know why. You know, you just you find these toys and you you, you know you're set. And they're they're like, no, don't don't really use one. I I hold the mandolin a certain way, so you know the the back is open. It's like, mm. oh okay, thank you, <laughs> bye bye, <laughs> purchase. Yeah. You know, and then I just bought it anyway. But I, I love the tone guard, and uh, I do too. I, you know, I, I, I believe it makes a difference if, you know, depending on how you hold the mandolin, there's yeah. a lot of variables, but for me, it makes a difference. Um, yeah. So it's uh, uh rattlesnake and then I've got some Diodario EXP 74 CMs. Okay. Yeah. On it. I was an Elixir guy for a long time. Nobody, I have no endorsements. So I, I, you know what? I shouldn't even say anything. I should just say I play mandolin strings and I play a mandolin pick. And whoever wants to pay me the most money or give me the most free things, <laughs> that's right. I will go back and edit it and put it in. <laughs> that's right. I'm open to anything, guys. Yes, send that's it, right. Send it out. Yes. If I could just get um, a Diodario and a Jersey Mike sponsorship, Dude, then I would be set. <laughs> Jersey Mike. It's a good sub. Um, Slightly overpriced, though. No well, offense to Jersey yeah, Mike, well, but good Lord, man. you got to get the daily specials. <laughs> okay, you know. there you go. Come on. you got to be doing it wrong. about this. It's bluegrass. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I got the CMs on it. I used to be an elixir guy for a long time because mm-hmm. I have acid hands and uh, I just eat through strings. I would change strings every gig. Yeah, I had to know? wash my hands after we met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say anything, but you brought it up. <laughs> um, so I used to use elixir for a long time. There, but I, I find that they're they're really bright at, at the beginning. You know, they last a long time. They last longer than these even, I, I think. But um, these give me a nice. Uh, mellow tone and just just enough length, you know, longevity in the yeah. string life. So I've been using these for maybe a year or so. Um, they're, I mean, I think they're a, it's a relatively new line of strings. I guess it's what is it, fifteen point five built on the gauges. Fifteen, oh, eleven point five, and and then sixteen, and then twenty six and forty. So the A's and the E's are a little heavier. You did, look at this like, research yeah, well, done. I had a whole bunch of notes, you know. Um, oh yeah, one of my my notes in bold letters is "Don't bring up Sam Bush." Period. <laughs> he's had, he's had enough spotlight on this podcast. That was it. That was that's at the top of my notes. It's but too I, late. I, I yeah. Sorry. It's too late. Sorry, Sam. I gave you more exposure. <laughs> yeah, you know, Kim. I Kim Warner. Like he needs it. Like he needs it. Yeah. Kim Warner was. Uh, I interviewed him this week too. He's like, I, I hate to do this, but yeah. <laughs> it's Sam Bush. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. no, this is this is great. Yeah, no, let's talk about Red Rector. Let's talk about <laughs> yeah. Donna Stoneman. Let's talk about Buzz Busby, you know? Yeah, exactly. The people that don't get called that, out. These guys that don't get called out. <laughs> all roads all roads lead to Sam. I hope yeah. hope one day he's on this podcast. Oh, a, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. almost it's it's weird though. It's like I almost it's, he's like the he's like a 
I mean, there's always Thiele, yeah. but I just think Thiele's just out of it's just out of the reach. Yeah, well, He's you, so huge. You, you in think? The main yeah. Of the world. I mean, I think uh, I, I've learned through my my one and a half albums that I've made thus far. It's like um, they always feel like the forbidden fruit, or you know, just untouchable. Yeah. But it's the bluegrass world. It is know? true. It it's, is true. But, is, yeah. As big of a world as we think it is, as we are inside of it, mm-hmm. it's a small world. Yeah, that's true. And they're all, for the most part, everybody that I've come in contact with in the mandolin world has, has been very humble and very appreciative. It's 100% why for, I started this podcast. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Because meeting a guy like David Benedict Ugh, and anybody. Hate him. Uh, well, okay. Ugh. I mean, it's a bad example. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He was nice to me. He's incredible. But um, I met Sam before, I met David Grisman before. And yeah. I, actually, I don't know if I've shared the story on the podcast, but I used to do like some those some videos. Yeah. And um, yeah. he played with Del McCurry in Charleston. They were doing a meet and greet afterwards, and I had a mandolins and beer stickers that I'd just gotten. Yeah. And I wanted to give him one. And um, I go up to meet him, and I'm like, hey, um, David, you're my name is Daniel Petra. I have this thing called mandolins and beer. Blah, blah, blah. And you're kind of like my BB King. You're like... <laughs> Like my BB King, and I just I wanted to give you this sticker as a thank you. And he looks at me, he's like, "Yeah, man, I know who you are. I watch all your videos." And the <laughs> yeah. guy behind me, who I know, lost his mind. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> and I did. I could have cried. Yeah, I could have cried. And he gave me. He reached into his pocket, gave me the dog pick that he had used that night. Yes. And I'm just like, "This is. I got to leave this room." Yeah, it was amazing. And I'm just yeah. like, and just to realize that's like all these things were like this. This world is such a great group of people i'm gonna they're all great except except tristan scroggins i'll i'll tell a quick story on him Uh oh Uh, (laughs) he's the worst um (laughs) he invited me out to lunch to grab some coffee and i said sure i don't like spending time with people so let's that sounds like a fun thing to do and so we go out and get coffee and i meet him and he's on the phone and it's like okay cool he's taking a call that's we'll just uh just wait here until he's done. And he's talking, and he's talking about mandolin stuff. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. He must be doing some kind of, you know, helping somebody out with something or doing a, I don't know. Uh, he's talking for a long time. It's like, okay, um, well, I'm going to go get another sandwich because I've finished mine and <laughs> I'm still waiting. And he's still talking about mandolin stuff and getting real specific. And I'm like, man, this is like an interview. This is... And so, like 30 minutes later, he gets off the phone, and I say, hey, uh, hi. <laughs> and he said, oh, sorry, I was doing this, this really cool podcast called Mandolin to Beer. <laughs> so I was like, that was the ultimate power move That's of, so let's great. go get lunch so you can watch me do this podcast oh, be, interview. Just, I need a minute. <laughs> I need a minute. Please, I'll be right with you. No, That's I, so funny, man. I, I love Tristan. He's he is one of my favorites people and mandolin players, and uh, I, I love that that there's a little mandolin and beer uh, history in our yeah. in our connection. That's so great, dude. <laughs> I love it too. That's it, he maybe uh, he might have mentioned that yesterday. Like oh, the power move. Good. Yes, the yeah, power move. The power move. Yeah. So then, uh, two more questions for you. Sure. And um, the first one is the ten minute a day question. I'm not yeah. sure if you're familiar with yep. it, but. Mm-hmm. I think anybody can get better if they do 10 minutes a day. So if yes. you had 10 minutes a day, just 10 minutes to pick up something to make sure. yourself a little bit better, what would it be? Pinky. Yeah. Everyone needs to work on their pinky. Absolutely. Unless you're a fiddle player that turned to man- that then became a mandolin player, your pinky is not as strong as it needs to be. Right. So what's a what's something you do to strengthen that? Is <laughs> oh, that exercise? I don't know. Because oh, I, I, <laughs> I was watching you play. I'm like, your pinky is 
Does he have a pinky? Where did... Yeah. <laughs> where's, his, where's his pinkies all over? I'm just kidding, yeah. obviously. No, um, uh, I mean, there's always the close positions and uh, using the seventh fret instead of the open string. Mm-hmm. Um, but then taking those close position scales, moving up and down the neck. I mean, t- to be honest, the the answer is fairly simple, as most simple things are you know how do you become more healthy the answer is simple how do you fix your pinky the answer is more you know you work on it right Right. exactly yeah (laughs) you use it um uh but also i found that that the thing that fiddle players have over mandolin players is they use their pinkies and their double stops you know so if you're moving from um let's see like uh two and five Mm -hmm. to three and seven yeah they're using their on on the two and five. They're using their index and their ring finger, and then where a mandolin player would just slide that up, mm-hmm. they're going to their middle finger and their uh, pinky. Yeah. So if you could just work on, I'm always pushing for double stops. I'm always pushing for tremolo. I'm always pushing for the things that I would like to hear. Uh, same here, man. But uh, if you can incorporate your pinky into your double stops, it kind of gives you a way to get out of scales. You know, no one loves to practice scales, but if you can get uh, your pinky involved in your double stops, then you find some kind of real-world application for um, for for building your pinky. And also, I would say, working on tremolo, uh, make your tremolo. Uh, give it life you know a lot of people just that's their tremolo and to me that is just a thousand picks you know (laughs) that's just a a marching thousand picks so make it you know make it swell and then if you do some double stops with and that's where I go back to that Kentucky waltz on tone poems it's like Grisman He's just playing tremolo. Tremolo is not a difficult thing in the grand scheme of things, but the way he's doing it yeah. is like that's expert level exactly. tremolo. You know that that breathes. It has life. It's looking at you. It's, For sure, and moving that hand too on the tremolo when you do those yeah. double stops, like moving it yeah, back I, and forth. It's another thing. It's, it yeah, makes a, I, I when I teach camps, sometimes I'll I'll talk about the different. T- I call them tone zones because I'm always trying to be funny and no one laughs. <laughs> I'm but, laughing. No, uh, thank you. Uh, That's because your butler's staring <laughs> yeah. at me right here. The this dogs guy are growling. is yes. intimidating. Yes, the Dobermans <laughs> are growling. Smithers. Um, uh, yeah, so you got different tone zones. You know, near the bridge, you're going to be real bright, and mm-hmm. this, this string is going to be real stiff, and that's usually not a great place to play tremolo. It's a good place <laughs> right. to play more like downstroke, Bill Monroe, ding, 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 you know, hard, hard stuff. But if you want to play your best tremolo is usually in the sweet area of um, – you know, some mandolins have the, the little Florida extension. Some mandolins don't. But it's going to be closer to the end of, of – uh, not the end of the extension, but the if you didn't have the extension, the end of where that would be. Right. Um, so, like, a, a hand's width from the bridge, maybe. Mm-hmm. Just just move it up. Move it more into the neck and, and just see how that sounds. Because you'll find it. Each mandolin has a sweet spot. Yeah. I've even found, like, if you just – move each string sometimes you'd be surprised oh, like yeah. the more the oh. each string's got the different sweet totally. spot it's like the, the, i the went so crazy as to sharpie at one time to just sit <laughs> just to sit yeah for i, I am a nerd <laughs> you know oh, what yeah. I mean? but just i was just like i just i'm on to focus on hitting these areas sure. and just have the hor- the horizontal 
um, you know, axis of your right hand is is not as I don't want to say it's equally as important, but it is is extremely important um, in comparison to your the vertical axis. You know what we mm -hmm. all think about up right. down up down up down. You know there are different sounds your mandolin can make if you just move it a centimeter to the left yeah. or a centimeter to the right. It's so crazy. Just experiment. Absolutely. And then the last question, I'm not sure if you're a beer guy. I am not a beer guy, okay. which is why but I was excited to do this podcast. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Perfect. So now we're going to talk about pedal steels for an hour. Awesome. No, no, good, I'm good. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Uh, no, I, I was trying to think. It's like, I'm not a beer guy. That's I don't okay. drink. I don't drink wine. I don't do anything. I'm real boring. So like, what's going to happen when we come to this question? And he's just looking at me with this <laughs> drunken look on his face yes. as he's been drinking beers the whole <laughs> podcast. What do you mean? I am really into to ginger ale and and not not your your Verners, not your you know your your Walmart ginger ales. Yeah. Um, or Kroger's or Target. I don't want to you know. Sure. Nobody's paying. Nobody's paying you for yeah, this, yeah. right? <laughs> so uh, I my friends turned me on to I think it's Blenheim Blenheim Blenheim. I always say Blenheim because I'm a country ignorant man. Um, <laughs> Uh, but Blenheim ginger ale mm -hmm. um, is really good. You have to find – it's one of those fancy ones that you have to find at a special store. Nice. Or order it online. Uh, they make two versions. Well, they make three versions, but they make a mild version and they make a hot version. And it's it's like – it's it's some serious ginger ale. Really? It's hot. All right. It's spicy. Um, and uh, that would be my recommendation. It's not I'm a beer, it but it's a, good, it. it's a good, refreshing, glass-bottled drink. Absolutely. And it's probably crafted with care. And that's what, that's what I'm looking oh, for. Beautiful. That's what I'm looking for in all this. Beautiful. So, I want that cross-stitched as well. Done. Next to my Thiele's working <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have mandolinsandbeer.com if you go to cross-stitching page. going to whole new merch, gonna be huge. merch section. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some legal ramification, but we'll worry about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll have lawyers worry about that stuff. So, man, Casey, thank you so much for doing oh. this, buddy, and thank you for, um, you know, having. I mean, I'll, I, by the way, I'll pay the butler on the way out. We yes, talked about the hard please. times with yes. the money a little yes, bit, but you. I'll pay him. But I, I, I appreciate you for doing this today, man. Thank, well, thank you, so, you much. so much for this podcast. Oh man, thank you for having me on, of course. But, Absolutely. But thank you more for for what you're doing for the mandolin community. You know, oh, man, David thanks. Benedict. You know, the mandolin Mondays. That's yes, a huge thing for sure. And, and what you're doing, I think, is, is, is in that same vein of oh, man, you're just sharing you. the mandolin love with, oh, with the audience, you, and it's invaluable. So thank you. I, I really appreciate uh, you asking me to oh, be man. on this. Anytime. Well, we're definitely going to do a part two, buddy. All right. All right. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks. All right. There you have it. Thank you so much to Casey Campbell for being so rad and hospitable. And next week, my guest is C.J. Lewandowski. Uh, find out what mandolin he just got this week. Pretty exciting stuff. Cheers, everybody. Have a wonderful week.